Welcome to the Hidden Why Podcast, episode 1061. My interview with Catherine Bajenian, and we're discussing cross-cultural relationships. Hope you enjoy. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to the Hidden Why Podcast. Great to have you here. Thank you. Hi, everyone. They all yell back, hello. I know. <laughs> I was pausing for that. <laughs> I was too, actually. Um, so, Catherine, tell us a bit about yourself. Where are you from? Um, so I'm originally from the States, um, from California, but I, I currently live in London, UK, and I have a private practice here um, focusing on relationships. I've been here many, many years, over 11 years. The accent is obviously still retained, but um, but like London um, at the moment is home now, and that's where my private practice, as I said, is. 11 years, wow. Um, no hint of that European accent there. At this stage, no, anyway, still very much got that. And I would be terrible at an English accent as well. Yeah, yeah it, it can. No. The, the crossovers can sound terrible sometimes, can't they? <laughs> I've heard it. Um, that's cool. Okay. And Virginian surname. Yes. Where is that from? Uh, Armenia. So, uh, yeah, from my, like, uh, originally Armenian and then family ended up migrating when I was about five years old. And then I've, I grew up in California. So it's an interesting mix. You have very like different cultural, um, expectations and standards. And mm. so that was definitely a little bit of a tough time when I was growing up trying to figure out how to manage the two cultures and probably what one of the reasons why it led me to um, study sort of cross-cultural psychology and sort of my specialty specialty within the concept uh, within the sort of area of relationships is sort of cross-cultural couples and um, I mean London is a hub for that right you get people oh. from all over the world so I get lots of uh, cross-cultural couples. Wow, that's yeah. interesting. Okay, so that gives us a little bit of a glimpse into the background, um, which yeah. is what we love. I mean, that cross-cultural um, relationships is brilliant. What makes the world thrive, I believe. So um, good to have this conversation. So tell us, you're a psychologist then? Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a psychologist. Um, so my master's was in sort of counselling psychology, and yeah. that was from, from the States. Um, and um yeah, I, I ended up doing quite a lot of work there um, and then got interested in the sort of concept of cultural psychology because um, I ended up working for the military for a while in the States and sort of moved to Hawaii for a few years and lived there. Um, and I ended up meeting a lot of couples there um, within the sort of military community that were cross-cultural couples. Lots of the soldiers would get sort of stationed somewhere for a few years in different countries. And then they would like find someone there, get married. And then eventually they'd move to the States. And then after a while, um, some of them would start to have some friction from some challenges. Um, and so after meeting them, um, first I thought, well, maybe it's, you know, the love is dying down or maybe there wasn't, you know, the courtship or the dating was rushed and they never had love to begin with. But what I quickly found out is that relationships have, uh, uh, there's, there's more to it than just loving each other, right? There, mm. there's lots of, um, expectations that we bring into our relationships, lots of, um, standards and how we view a relationship, how we view partnership, how we view, you know, the husband wife dynamic, um, all of that. And when you come from very different cultural frameworks, um, those, your perceptions are very different. So that's what eventually got me into sort of really studying 
cross-cultural psychology and how I eventually ended up in London was a keen interest in understanding how when you come from different cultural contexts, Eastern versus Western, how your perception of relationships could be different and how then when you come together in a relationship, how those differences can often cause conflict as you're trying to negotiate this mutual space that you're supposed to now coexist in, right? Mm. So um, yeah, I, I found one of the only people um, in in the UK that was in London, certainly that was looking at cross-cultural relationships. I contacted her and she ended up being my supervisor. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, it was one of the best areas of study I could have done. So I eventually- yeah, very then, niche. It, it, I, imagine, it is, I don't you know, imagine there's too many people enough, specialized just in that. I think it was, it's niche. Well, you know, when you're doing a PhD, it's niche anyway, right? You have to sort of yeah. pick a topic and go really, really deep into it. So that in itself becomes any sort of topic in PhD kind of becomes niche. But yeah, yeah at the time, like there's a lot of sort of buzz around um, differences and cultures and all of that nowadays certainly when i started 11 years ago more than 11 years ago now um in my studies it wasn't the hot topic it is today so it's kind of been interesting to see um how valuable uh that area of study has become over time yeah wow so specializing that purely i assume you've got crossovers because what you're sort of helping people with there would be important for all relationships i imagine Yes. But then there'd yeah. be a lot of nuances to the cross-cultural side of things as well. Yeah, I think the the nuances with cross-cultural, uh, like you said, there's lots of crossover. It's not like, you know, cross-cultural couples are different from the average couple or, you know, where, we, where our backgrounds are more similar. It's simply that sometimes when we grow up in culture, culture informs our ways of seeing the world from a very, very early age, right? Like we, we were born into it. And mm. often because we're born into it and a lot of these standards and expectations and rules and all of that, the social norms that we're taught within our culture is sort of implicit. It's, we just sort of, as children, we just absorb that. We, so we, because we absorb it without even conscious thought, um, we don't often realize that the way we're seeing the world that feels so normal to us um, is because we've been socialized that way. So mm. what I find interesting in cross-cultural couples, um, particularly the more different their cultural backgrounds, the more often when they uh, will argue about a topic, they'll argue about it thinking it's a character flaw in their partner. Um, and we sort of diffuse it to them understanding it's not a character flaw. There's nothing wrong with the way that your partner is thinking. They've just taught to see the world differently, right? And once people start to understand that, that it's not something that's wrong with you and the way you see things and the, your desires and wants, it's simply a cultural difference. There's, they're able to sort of mm. negotiate space for that. Right, because yeah. uh, when you think your partner's wrong, right? You know that that way of seeing the world is stupid, right? And it's just you. It's about you. Then there's there's this sort of conflict, like no, you've got to change your frame because the, the way you're seeing the world is stupid. It's dumb. I don't like it, or it doesn't fit into my frame. But once that people start to realize, actually, there's multiple ways of seeing the world, and this this person comes from a different cultural background, and you know we have this variation, then we can start to say, okay, actually, how can we use your different frames to add and create more expansiveness and flexibility and adaptability in your perspectives, rather than making it an either or. 
Mm. Yeah. So it adds richness. If you do it the right way, when you're coming from different backgrounds, it's no different than, you know, having a group of people put together on a project at work, right? You don't want all of them to think the same way, but if they did, it would be easier, right? There would be less conflict between people. Everybody mm. just agree on everything and everyone would be happy. Things yeah, would go kind of, smoothly, but yeah. would the quality of work uh, be uh, as high and as rich as if people brought in different perspectives and they figured out how to work with one another and, you know, add these different perspectives to make a greater whole. So the different perspectives is, is enriching. It's just difficult if you don't know how to communicate. So you got to have the tools to you to, yeah, to to manage that. And you look at that, the cultural differences, I mean, being born in Iraq and Australia, obviously coming together, you know, you can imagine the significant cultural differences, even though I couldn't imagine it because I'm just, you know, embedded this way. Um, yeah. Obviously, to an outsider, you could say, okay, well, these two are going to have differences. Mm-hmm. But even like my wife, born in Australia and I'm born in Australia, but totally two different family upbringings, you know. So in that yeah. itself, we've got those family cultures um, in yes. different perspectives as well. And um, so I guess maybe first step is seeking greater understanding. Is that where you'd start? Like, what are we, what are we looking at? Yeah, 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 exactly that. It's like, one of the, the the greatest skills you can have in in any relationship, but certainly in your romantic one, uh, is curiosity, right? Like, how come you think by the way? Where do you where does that thought come from? You know, why is that important to you? Is sort of the, the curiosity to really like engage with the other person and understand them, um, and and not make it about this like this paradigm of mm. there's a right there's a wrong way right uh, because how as, can you show a, curiosity without being almost considered judging or criticizing I guess you know because I think if sometimes I don't know I'm just trying to imagine trying to have that conversation and that curiosity and then feeling a bit intimidated like well hang on why are you why are you judging me why are you you know questioning me yeah and when, when when we're charged because we're angry um someone said something you know we we can often often frame something in terms of an accusation. Why do you think that way, right? But there's a tone that we use that can show we're genuinely actually interested to get to know. And we know this, we know when like a partner speaking to us and they're they're asking a question, but the, the, the intent of the question is to sort of like accuse us of something or make us Mm. feel uncomfortable, right? As if like, we, there's no right answer, right? I have to say, well, I think that way because I'm, stupid right or this is a foolish thought versus they're genuinely asking because something in them went oh okay i don't i didn't see that or i didn't think that and you just brought up a point that didn't occur to me so can you like explain it because i'm really interested in understanding um and if there's genuineness behind that curiosity like we can tell so it's it's really helpful if people do this early on like when you're dating um I'm all for fun, go out and have a great time. But if you're dating for long-term intent, then be curious about the person, like ask these kinds of questions, have more meaningful, deeper conversations because it sets up the kind of foundation where it opens the door for people to be genuinely engaged and curious with one another. And those conversations, I assure you, like those deeper conversations will help you when in an argument, because you'll, you're now, you you're open to having deeper conversations to communicating uh, more transparently. Um, whereas yeah. when you don't 
when it's all about the fun and we're going to have a great time and we avoid conflict and we avoid anything that's awkward. Suddenly when we do have differences, we don't know how to manage that. We don't know how to like deal with that. I know how to manage it, but don't have that understanding to yes. manage it, I suppose. So setting those um, regular conversations, having those deep conversations to create better understandings of one another so that when those difficult times come, you then go, oh, okay, no, but hang on, that's how that is and that's why yes. you can be a little bit more accepting perhaps um, in those situations. Um, but I guess, and you probably confront this as well, um, in many relationships, it's it's always starts out with, you know, fun and sex and those sort of things. Mm -hmm. And perhaps we don't, you know, put ourselves yeah. into those conversations because we're having so much fun. We don't want to put up conflict and end it all. So we just yeah. sort of dodge it and keep going. And then here we are 10 years later and, yeah. you know, the sex is gone, got a family, we've got finances to worry mm -hmm. about. And suddenly we've got this, this barrier and no yes. foundations. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a shame that that's what we really sort of, uh, have created this split between like what dating is supposed to look like and then what long-term relationship or marriage is supposed to look like. Right. It's no. like here, there's, like you said, like in terms of the long-term relationship, it's like drudgery. It's all about sort of responsibilities and sacrifices and chores and there's no sex and there's, it's just about like the daily grind of life. Um, and then dating is the exciting phase. It's when you're curious about one another, when you're, you know, having lots of fun, great sex, great adventures. And somehow, as soon as we get into that, like long-term relationship, at some point it starts to turn mm -hmm. uh, and then there's spirals. And that's kind of expected or accepted as the normal trajectory. It doesn't have to be. Um, and there's no need to separate those two and define it so clearly into two categories. Right. They come much more fluidly um, and blend into one another. The fun doesn't have to stop. It changes because life's responsibilities, obviously, if you're together long enough and you buy a house or you have kids together or you have bills to pay, you know, of course, and and the novelty wears off. And there's, there's things that you are natural to life, but they're not it's not specific to a relationship. It's like anything else. If you got your dream job today, you wouldn't expect that level of excitement and happiness at day one or month one would be the same in five years, 10 years, 20 years, right? There's going to be some challenges along the way. There's going to be boredom. There's going to be, so it's, that's not specific to how a relationship works. It's, it's, it's simply part of the nature of life. But with that understanding, you can do things just like you can do things in your career to bring more excitement, spark and meaning into it. Um, and also de develop, develop yourself uh, as well as, uh, as well as like enjoying your relationship, really focus on your own development, like, like you would in your career as well. You know, you can see it as just a paycheck or you can see it as something meaningful and significant for you as well to sort of change you and shift you and develop you as you progress. Mm, yeah and I love it do you find that um, I mean what's some of the challenges that you face when you bring couples together um, I mean for example one thing I could imagine is that you know one party's sort of into this idea of developing and and trying yeah. to improve the relationship while the other one's more passive and just going along because they've been told to or something like that yeah I I will say that's one of the hardest things to overcome in a relationship if someone's on this trajectory of self-development and the other person is like happy with the status quo that that is 
difficult place to be in for both mm-hmm. individuals, right? It's irritating to both individuals. Um, and the potential problem of that is the one that wants to develop will go on and do all this stuff and all the self-development stuff, whether it's therapy or courses they'll take or whatever. And the other person kind of gets left behind. And the one being left behind is resentful because it feels like this wasn't what the relationship was about. This wasn't what I signed up for. You know, we were two people and then now you're deciding to go off and do this stuff and it's not fair. And I, you're dragging me along. Um, and the other person kind of just feels resentful that like, I, I want to do more in life. I want to experience more. I want to develop more. And I feel like I'm mm. being back. Right. So that's a really tough place to be in. Um, and when people like that, you know, come to therapy, I will say often like people are not in the same space of like, yes, let's do this. Let's. One person tends to be a lot more sort of hesitant and trepidatious about that. Uh, experience and ten one person is more eager um sometimes you get that both are like you know kind of at the end of their tether and they're excited to sort of try to go into therapy and see what happens but usually there is a discrepancy um my job is sort of to help them understand that the self-development um isn't a threat right i think sometimes people go I don't know what's out there, right? I know what like this is in my life right mm. now is comfortable. So yeah. why are my, why are you forcing me to do all this stuff? And I have to help people come to an understanding that a successful relationship isn't just about we don't argue every day and we don't have big conflicts, right? Like it's peaceful. Um, a successful relationship could be a lot more than that. It could be mm-hmm. such a loving and secure base that allows you to see more to do more there's is you know again kind of like work like it could just be a paycheck and that's fine but it could be if you get meaning out of work if you have great people that you interact with if you see things if you experience things if you feel better about yourself as a result of work that's more fun than yeah I make a lot of money nothing wrong with making a lot of money but there could be more to it Right. Yeah. Um, and the same with relationships. Nothing wrong with having a conflict free relationship, but we could work towards the, an expansiveness where it's exciting, it's fun. You, you know, it's a genuine partnership where we have each other's back and we experience the world. Um, and hopefully, eventually, both people can get on the same page with that. And, um, be, but, you know, the, the younger couples, have that understanding most of the younger couples I get and when I by younger I mean sort of late 20s 30s until they're sort of early 40s they come in and they already have that sense of we're not waiting to have conflict we we've been together a couple of years and maybe the intimacy isn't quite there anymore maybe the excitement isn't quite mm. there anymore right and we want to get that back so I think the younger or the more modern generation are more aware of emotional needs in a way that wasn't taught to older generations. It was just the relationship is about getting together, having a family, you know, just, just what you do. Whereas I think a lot of more modern couples are kind of like, I can do the da- daily grind on my own. I don't need a partner for that. I'm here because I want the emotional stuff. I want to be happy. I want to have intimacy both on a physical and psychological level, I, I want more. Uh, and so they come in ready and are open to more self-development stuff. Yeah, true. I was going to ask you about that because you worked with um, like a matchmaking sort of dating yeah. 
company at some stage, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Do you see that as yeah. a bit of a challenge in this day and age? Because I mean, I'm I sort of just missed that sort of era where dating apps were there and all that sort of thing. Um, I found found a relationship. When was I? Um, late twenties, I suppose. Um, through work, met a, you know someone through work, and that's how we that's how we started a relationship. But these days, it seems it's all on apps and all these almost superficial sort of relationship things going on, and it just seems awkward to me. But maybe it's not, and maybe it's okay. Do you see issues with this and where it's headed? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, um, a while ago, several years ago, I did work for sort of this high-end matchmaking agency, and I, I was like the resident sort of therapist uh, on site. So if people were struggling with anything, whether it was dating or stuff was coming up from past, like I was there to sort of help them work through that. Um, and and then and, and then certainly now there's the apps. I mean, lots of my single clients. Um, part of the whole therapy process is helping them just manage uh, their dating life because every one of them, I mean, there's not one person that I, I know in terms of clients and even friends and stuff, I would say 95% of, of, of the population is on dating apps or has been on dating apps that are yeah. single nowadays. Um, it's a tough, it's a tough world to navigate. It's definitely a tough world to navigate. Um, it's, because your brain can't differentiate between like this is a real person and it's sort of this unknown person you know online like a rejection is a rejection someone just like disappearing on you is someone disappearing on you I mean imagine you know you said you met your wife uh, at the workplace imagine like a co-worker that you thought that you guys had uh, sort of this flirtatious playful energy going on and then like one day you show up and she's just blanking you and not talking to you anymore right like how how hurtful would that be? And essentially we're experiencing that on the app because as I said, our mind can't differentiate between reality and app world. We're experiencing that level of rejection all of the time, right? So the sheer number of individuals that we interact with and um, people yeah, just can't manage that. And so the, the rejection is happening over and over again. And it just turns dating or people into a commodity. I mean, I, I'm not against the apps. I think they, they open a whole new world to people, especially during COVID. Like there was no other way to meet other, you know people. But if you're not careful, it ends up really harming you mentally and emotionally. Um, because your mind and body just thinks these are human beings, they're real people. I'm constantly getting rejection. I'm, I'm not good enough, you know, all this stuff. Um, and we have very limited information to go on. You know, it's just looks essentially. Yeah, it's but, it's it's a power of numbers, really, the volume scam. I mean, I'm just reflecting back to before when I was, you know, trying to date, few and far between, really. And it was quite frustrating because you're just like, oh, never really, yes. you know, how do I meet people? You've got to go out to more things and social interactions, which was great. Um, but you're right, like I didn't have that level of rejection in that sense too, because there wasn't as many. So um yeah, interesting. What what do you what's your advice on how to navigate apps and 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 then dating through apps? Because I've I've seen a lot of people actually have great successful relationships through meeting on that. Yes. Um, but yeah. there wasn't you know, it wasn't it was just a hello on the app and then proper socializing and, and dating on the outside, which I don't know, maybe doesn't go on with the younger people as as well as it did back in the day. Um, there seems to be that sense of romance taking out of it, you know? Yeah. Yes. Um, if you're dating on apps, I'd say try to um, limit the number of interactions, limit the number of matches. I think what people do is they can get on the, the app and just scroll 
endlessly right and with match after match and that definitely gives someone like a dopamine hit for the second like oh you know i'm wanted um and and but people can line up like dozens hundreds i've even seen thousands of, of matches that they never talk to um and that like sheer number of that many people first of all it screws with your mind it makes you think gives you the illusion that there's so many people out there that could be right for you right and from that thousands of people not everybody like it's not that's not true you'd only click with like a handful i'm not saying one person but you would click with a hand like a handful of people that where you could really make it work so this illusion that there's so many individuals out there and there's endless and therefore whatever i have i can always find better is not entirely true it makes us think that there is the potential for more no matter what mm. we have and potentially have more it's very dangerous uh, because relationships don't work like that their their objective is actually to challenge us so if you're thinking of the ideal person that's going to align with you and that's what you're looking for then the uh, the the apps really give the illusion of that um, because they want to keep you on there, right? So, um, like, understand the objective of the the like the apps, and then your objective, and they don't always coincide. So, um, reduce not. the number of matches, and actually interact with people. Um, if you're spending more time scrolling than talking to people, that's an that's a problem. So, my suggestion is reduce it to about ten people and try to engage with those matches and when it doesn't work out just like then add one more other but do not we we sometimes have a tendency especially if it's not working out to feel really low feel really hopeless and then go and try to have a bunch of matches to make us feel okay again so recognize what your mind is doing right um and try not to go down that path because ultimately if you're actually trying to not and i'm not talking about casual relationships but if you're really trying to meet someone for a genuine long-term relationship don't allow your understand your goals mm. yeah yeah limit yourself that's good advice um hmm. it's kind of like social media with friends and likes and stuff you know we we're attached to this superficial world where we think all these people are our friends yet suddenly yes. they can disappear or defriend us or do that. And you're just like, huh? Uh, big yes. problem for our mental psychology. Yes, it, it really it really is because this is the, the, the sort of online world is so new to us that, you know, like with evolution, like the body and the mind, like our physical acuity takes a long time to adapt to any given situation. So you know, I don't know how long will it take, but it certainly hasn't happened in the last sort of 10 years that this technology has been around that our mind and our body is like adapted to what this means. So we still have old piping that just goes when someone doesn't like you or someone's unfriended you, they've rejected you. So we feel the pain of that. So my recommendation, and I certainly do this, is just stay away from like social media to the degree that you can as much as possible cultivate real life relationships yes yeah. yeah so that engagement that constant need for the dopamine hits and you know it must be the same on the dating apps i assume they've got algorithms set up to make you yes. strike and strike again and um you know then the ability to be without um people people would struggle i mean i struggled as a kid because i was quite um i don't know adhd i don't know but i just had yeah. to always do stuff you know i was bored oh, i'm bored um and that was back in the day where we didn't have any of that stuff you know mm -hmm. 
Um, so I imagine now how how addictive that could be for a lot of people and how yeah. much they yeah. need it and rely on it. And if they don't have it, how bad they yes. might feel in only short right. periods of time too. Yes, definitely. You know, and you know what you just mentioned there about the boredom as a kid. Like boredom's really good for kids. Um, boredom's good for adults. It it pushes us to think creatively, right? Like mm. when you're bored, you have to sit there and figure something out. Figure out. Um, with kids, it's like they have to figure out, you know, they have to use their imagination to come up with games, to have to figure things out and to keep themselves occupied. So their imagination, their mind starts to work. Same as adults. Um, when we're bored, then we can actually learn how to focus ourselves but as soon as we're bored whether it's with adults or kids if we have social media to go to if we can just turn on youtube if we can just go to an app or whatever and immediately it takes that boredom away we never give our, us, our ourselves space to do anything constructively then right so that like the kid that's bored can just go on the video games they don't have to come up with some like creative game where they use their mind to keep themselves occupied they have uh, a video game uh, a tv program that's doing that on their behalf right mm. they just get to sit there and just watch uh, the screen yeah. rather than have to use their mind to come up with those yeah. concepts so yeah it really um harms the development of the brain reduce the uh reduce the screen time huh absolutely yeah what do yes. you um do you see this like i mean i sort of my perspective anyway on the world at the moment and particularly around here where i am a lot of people going separate you know um they're spending years together maybe having some kids maybe not but a lot of people are going through divorce very early on um in the relationship and not pushing through the boundaries and you just touched on a point before where because we're surrounded by all this opportunity, we just think that, hey, you know what, there's something better for me there. Rather than persevering through that relationship, which is traditionally what we used to do, there seems to be more people taking the, not the easy route, maybe it's maybe it's good to do that because, hey, life's short. I don't know. I don't know if it's right or wrong. Mm -hmm. But do you see that as being a trend of the new way? Like we're just going to see more and more of that happening and, and less long-term relationships and more of this short-term? Um there's interesting studies on that. And um, so it's showing that the, the relationships are, of today that are good are good at a level that relationships of the past were. Like it's at a higher level of good. The ones that the relationships that work today and people are happy, they're much happier than they were previously. But on the flip side, there's a lot more like people splitting up and breaking up. Now, why that is, is our, our standards and expectations for what a relationship should be has changed over time. So, it, you know, we often attribute it to the fact that like, you know, people of like modern times, young adults now, they just want what they want. They don't have patience. They don't have resilience to see something through. And maybe there might be some of that, right? But, but the other side of it is, is that expectations for relationships have changed, just like expectations for a job have changed. So in the 50s, let's say, people worked because they wanted a good check, paycheck, right? They wanted to be able to support their family. They weren't looking for meaning and purpose and self-actualization through their work, mm. right? Uh, and similarly, in terms of their relationship, they wanted a functional relationship. They often just wanted to come together, to have a home, to have kids, and to have companionship. Um, and now, as the as the world is evolving and as human consciousness is developing, we're becoming more and more 
focused towards wanting more meaning, right? More connection, more intimacy, more depth, more purpose. Um, and that's impacting how we see our relationships. That's impacting how we see our careers. That's impacting where we live, right? We want meaning. We, not, we want connection. So it's easy 50 years ago to say, are you in a successful relationship? Well, yeah, my husband, you know, it's often heterosexual. My husband works. He brings enough money. We have a nice home keep it clean. Kids are okay. We have a good marriage, right? And we go out and do stuff together. It's good, right? Now, that's not the criteria. You ask modern couples what you, they think that a good relationship, a good marriage or long-term relationship would be. It's we're close, we're connected, we have drive, we have vision, we feel like we're fulfilling our dreams, we're supporting one another, those are much more difficult concepts to try to um, mm. on and sustain, right? And people change. And, and you know, when you stay together for family, like that's that doesn't change. We're staying together as long as we have kids and whatever, we're together. But when it's fulfillment and intimacy, that can change. So how do we then define why we're staying together if those things have changed because we've changed over time. So I think the standards are, are changing as well. How we evaluate what happy and successful relationship looks like has changed over time. And we just have a different set of criteria nowadays that's mm. much more difficult to sustain over time. Right. Yeah, that criteria is, is changing the priorities too. So like you just touched on that idea of purpose and meaning in life uh, on the individual level and on the relationship level is maybe more important than just holding the family together because of the kids. Yeah. Lots of modern couples don't even know if they want kids, right? So if you don't necessarily want a kid, you don't need your partner to hold down that mortgage or pay your bills. I, you know, what do you need that for? Um, so it's less about practical necessities and more about emotional and psychological connection and growth. Yeah, well said. Yes, true. I like it. Interesting. Lots uh, lots involved there. Thank you for your time today. And I really appreciate you coming on, Catherine. How can people Absolutely. best find out more about you and your work and reach out to you? Um, go on my website. Um, so I'm based in the UK, but I have clients all around the world, actually quite a few from Australia as well. I don't know how I've ended up on the websites there, but um, I have quite a few Australian clients um and i a lot of culture am, here <laughs> yeah and um and I'm, I'm putting out um a course in a couple of months i believe uh it's if anyone is interested in actually how to cultivate a meaningful relationship I, I sort of unpack what like how to sustain and understand what true love genuine love is supposed to look like how to identify it how to like work towards cultivating that in a long-term relationship, how to choose the right partner, how to make the partner that you're with, you know, how to have the right kind of conversations and communicate and all of that. Um, so certain information kept coming up in my sessions and I thought I got to just put this stuff into a course because everybody seems to be having the same struggles. So all of that stuff is being put together at the moment, of course, and will be available in a, in a few months. So um, if you want individual help, check out, you know, contact me directly through my website. Um, if you want the course, let me know or check out the website. It will um, be available in a few months, I think. Jump on there. Cool, guys. Check it out at thehiddenwire.com. We'll have all the links in the show notes. Catherine, thanks again for coming on. Mm -hmm. Until next time, guys. Peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon.
Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcasts. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is Lee Manutzi until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon